morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you're on the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Floodman11, and today we are going to go through the GTE classes for this year's 24 Hours of Le Mans. And joining me on this endeavor, I have our GT experts, Mr. Chris Washer97. Good morning. And Mr. Kiwi Chris1709. Howdy. Welcome, guys. How exciting is it to be talking about Le Mans again? <laughs> What's very exciting is that, like, a week from now, we're going to be in the depths of this Le Mans 24-hour race. So, judging by the time it is right now, this time next week, we're going to have at least six hours of racing to go. So, the fact that, you know, practice and qualifying start up Wednesday, support racing starts up on a Thursday... It's a good week to be a sports car fan. I know, I know. It's a fantastic time of year and I'm super very excited uh, because we've got just so much to talk about. There is mm-hmm. a 17-car uh, GTE Pro field to go along with a 17-car GTE Am field as well, featuring a wide variety of drivers, teams, brands, uh, and stories that we can all get into and sink our teeth into. Um, but before we do all that, Chris, this is Kiwi Chris this time. Explain to us why we care about GTE cars. Well, GTE cars, in many ways, they're the cars people relate to most. Uh, they're the cars you see on the street, depending on what part of town you live in, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. But they're the cars you, you, know, you see that are normally road-going cars that have been stripped out and tuned up to become track machines. Especially in the pro classes might be the class that everyone pays attention to the most this time around, just because of how the pro classes may look in the end. And it's where we'll find some of the best drivers as well, slugging it out. And it's going to be absolutely phenomenal with how close the cars are as well. Exactly right. These are the top class of GT cars anywhere in the world. And it's cool to see at the moment, of course... Uh, five different manufacturers in WEC competitions, six at 24 Hours of Le Mans in GT, because, of course, you add Corvette to that. And it's very cool to see all of these different cars have strengths and weaknesses at different parts of the track and still be competitive. Uh, so what is the process that they go through to get to that point? It's a little process known as balance of performance. Now, this is a bit of a swear word for many people, but it, <laughs> it really does the job incredibly well as of late for the GT classes. Yeah. Uh, basic idea is just to get the cars all together as much as you can. Yeah, exactly right. And we'll talk a bit more about the specifics of balanced performance after we talk about the GTE Pro field. And we might as well crack into that immediately. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we start? I guess that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so if you haven't if you haven't uh, listened to one of these podcasts before what we'll do is we'll go through every car uh in each of the gt classes uh we'll talk about the drivers where the cars come from uh where we sort of rank it in the field and then at the end of each class we'll come together at the end and give a few predictions if you want to follow along uh while we're doing this Make sure you check out the Andy Blackmore Spotter's Guide for Le Mans. It's got all the information you need about all the cars and the drivers in each of the cars. Um, We're using it as our resource for this podcast because it's by far the most information-dense and well-presented guide that you can find. And, of course, us here at r WEC are helping support the guide. So you'll see our little logo on the bottom uh, directly under the Corvette Racing number 64 on the first page. 
And whether you like Cooper or Neil or not, then just give <laughs> WeatherTech Racing their a full support because without them, this guy would not have been Exactly right. So, yeah, if you can give a big shout out to race uh, at RaceWeatherTech on Twitter and Andy Blackmore Design uh, and SpottersGuide.com. Uh, thank you very much to those guys for putting this together and for letting us be involved and for, yeah, bringing together one of the best resources for the race you could find. So make sure you're looking at that while you're following along and, yeah, we'll crack right into it. So number 51 on the entry list is the AF Corsa Ferrari uh 488 GTE Evo. Uh, the f- drivers of the 51 is Alessandro Piaguidi, James Collado, and Daniel Serra. And in the sister car, the number 71, is Davide Rigon, Sam Bird, and Miguel Molina. So take us through these drivers, guys. So Alessandro Piaguidi, James Collado, Daniel Serra. James Collado, um, obviously one of the guys, he, he raced in the Asian Le Mans series with, I believe, Car Guy Racing with the Ooh. Ferrari 488 yeah. GT3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe won the championship. If he didn't win the championship, he at least won a few races if he didn't go full-time. And Daniel Serra, a stock car Brazil superstar. And what I've noticed, ever since Daniel Serra came into the forefront with Aston Martin and winning the Le Mans 24 Hours in GTE Pro, I've been seeing a lot more South American drivers come in, or at least an uptick. Because remember at the Rolex 24, there is an Argentine driver Raced for, racing for Yunkos in the DPI that came from the Turismo Carretera series, which is a domestic championship in Argentina, which uses 1970s bodies. <laughs> it's sort of, it's sort of, it's, it's, the mentality is sort of like NASCAR here in the U.S. So, so you got those type of drivers, and the fact that South America is building its sports car base with Porsche Carrera Cup Brazil, Porsche GT3 Cup Trophy Argentina. In a Brazilian endurance championship, which features home-built prototypes and GT3s and GT4, so I think as time goes on, we're going to see more of these South American drivers of you know a who's who of stars from these South American championships come into maybe not into the world of endurance racing, but maybe to the region of endurance racing, especially like an IMSA yep. or maybe a trip to the European Le Mans series. Cool, okay. that'll be quite good. Um, now, relating to these two cars particularly, though. The problem they, of course, I have is they can't seem to get both cars into winning positions in the same race. Yeah, I have noticed that uh, throughout the season. Uh, you've we've seen some decent results from AF Corsa throughout the year. So we've you know they took a win at Silverstone, uh, second mm-hmm. place at Spa Francorchamps, and then uh, for the that was for the fifty one car. And then for the other car, the other car has been a bit more troubled, but it has sort of been there or thereabouts. But they never seem to be both there at the same time is the issue yeah um yeah david a regan and sam bird had that third place at spa la- last year yep and and that was while the uh yeah that and and then the other car the james collado piaguidi car uh failed to finish that race so mm. <laughs> yeah it's it's always it, it seems to be a bit of a everything or nothing with each of the af corsa cars which is really interesting it's weird because i thought the 71 would be a stronger lineup yeah, I was about to ask that question. I was about to ask which of the two would you think is a bit more potent? And I would agree that the 71, the Regon Bird Molina car, is has got a little bit of an extra spice to it. But they've they've been the one that's a bit more afflicted with problems. What about you, Chris? What do you think? So you have basically two out of the three drivers in each lineup who are coming in without racing this weekend. 
So you have Daniel Serra, who has a round in the Stock Car Brazil Championship this weekend at Londrina. And then you have Miguel Molina, who actually won the uh, Blank Pan GT World Challenge America race one yesterday at Sonoma. So these drivers are coming in with a few extra trophies in their handbag coming into Le Mans. Yeah, but I would how, – how much is that going to help them – into Le Mans, like I, if I was a driver, I'd want to take this weekend off because it would be because the hubbub around Le Mans with the amount of extra media, the amount of extra tack time you need, all that sort of stuff. I would be more focused on trying to be calm and relaxed and heading into the weekend refreshed as opposed to mm. jetting around the world and picking up trophies. Yeah, because the last thing you because you're going to go through a week of bugger all sleep, so you want to be. Well refreshed. Uh, mm. Just thinking testing times. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but keep in mind, these are factory drivers. They might not. Have, they might not have a say. In what <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Having a, having a few extra trophies that would help. Yeah, Kiwi, you were about to mention testing times. Yeah, looking at testing times, um, the fifty-one Colado and Sarah, 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 <laughs> were um actually next to each other on the timing sheets, uh, and the fastest of the six portrait of the six Ferrari drivers. So. That's, to say, that's not to say that the other cars were far behind, as we'll get mm. to later. But they're both, I think the senior ones just got the edge, but I'm surprised they haven't got the edge over the course of the season. Either way, they're going to be pretty close on track, I yep. suspect. Uh, one of the, another car in the pro class that we did miss uh, from the Ferraris is the one coming over from the IMSA competition, uh, the number 89 Risi Competizione car featuring Pipo Durrani, Oliver Jarvis, and Jules Gunon. Now, before we talk about the drivers, I do just want to quickly say the livery on that car looks gorgeous it is a blue and white-ish sort of livery with a prancing horse motif over the side uh and it just looks gorgeous i haven't seen a blue ferrari in such a long time and yeah when they first uh, first saw photos of that in the pits that looked really really cool now how do we rate the reezy car compared to the other cars first i just mentioned as well livery by our boy andy blackmore our boy. He's our boy now. <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. Pippo Durrani, we've seen, he always just does godly things. Mm. Oliver Jarvis, when his car's not catching fire, he does godly things. <laughs> and, well done. And Jules Ganon, he's a really interesting pick for Reezy. I'm glad he's there. I yeah. just think they'll go that way. Yeah, he's uh, brand new to Le Mans. I think this is actually his first Le Mans race. And he uh, won the... ADAC GT series uh, at the seat of a Audi, it would have been 2017, has been driving factory Bentley the last two years, and this will be his first start in a GTE car. So it's been, it's a really interesting pickup for for Risi to pick up someone like Jules Gunon. But yeah, as you said, really, really cool to get a guy like that in mm-hmm. in at Le Mans. Yeah. And they're really consistent, the three of them, mm. in terms of... Um, lap times as well from testing and, and good was actually second fastest of the three and i can't recall those three drivers getting into too much mischief on track either no exactly right now chris you're about to jump in on something there has oliver jarvis won the 24 hours of Le Mans? not overall definitely not could have been with um jcdc lmp2 no because jcdc Actually, that's a good shout. It could have been in 2017. Let's do... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because if if he did, 
all three of these, whether yep. overall or not, would have won a 24-hour race before. Pippo Durrani being with ESM in the 24 hours of Daytona. Oliver Jarvis, if we confirm our facts. The he has. Okay, can you he won with JC, He won class JCDC 2017. There you go. So Oliver Jarvis in LMP2. So it was up there, but not overall. And Jules Gunan, who won the 24 hours of Spa with Audi. So these guys, overall, not 24-hour winning experience. And plus, Jules Gunan, perfectly comfortable in the GT3 car. As you can see, Audi, Bentley, it doesn't matter. You can get it done. He might have won the Paul Ricard race for Blank Pan the other weekend. I, might, I got checked on that. But if he did, this is coming, you know, night driving especially will be greatly, you know, enhanced by him racing at Paul Ricard because that'll be recent and fresh in his mind. He'll be used to the darkness of Le Mans if he gets those night stints. So I think with Pippo, with Pippo Durrani and Oliver Jarvis, those overall or close overall winning 24-hour race experience will help Jules Gunan with you know, racing at Lamar. Mm, good pick. I, firstly, I can't believe uh, Pippo Durrani is a gold-rated driver. That's astounding to me. He should definitely be a platinum. Secondly, uh, where do you think this car fits in with the other Ferraris? Do you think it's going to be with the factory cars or it might be just a bit behind or wh- what do we expect? I am going to go out on a limb here. I reckon this could be the fastest of the three. Wow, really? Okay. Chris? Yep. Looking at the uh, other... It's a hard pick, that's for sure. But I do like Reese, even though there might be a little bit of IMSA bias here. But <laughs> Pippo Durrani and Oliver Jarvis and Jules Gunan. Worried about Gunan's rookie experience at Lamar that might hold the team back a little bit. I don't think it's going to hold them back that much to be greatly affected in the huge scheme of things. I think they're going to be up there contesting for an overall podium, I think, if they keep the car clean. Cool. I don't think it's going to be as fast as the factory guys, but I am more excited to watch them than they are the factory guys, to be honest. I think it'll be... Well, firstly, the car looks great, and I think it'll just be uh, a good competition. Because remember, Risi came second in 2016, the year that they were it was billed as Ferrari versus Ford. So they've got experience here at Le Mans. Obviously, last year was not great for them, but still, I'm, I'm excited to see Risi do well. So, mm-hmm. next cars on the entry list is the number 63 and 64 Corvettes from Corvette Racing. This is the Chevrolet Corvette CZ, wait, C7.R. Um, so, in the 63, we have Jan Magnussen, Antonio Garcia, and the additional driver is Mike Rockenfeller of Audi LMP1 fame back in the day. Uh, 64 features Oliver Gavin, Tommy Milner, and adding Marcel Fesler. Uh, of Audi LMP1 fame back in the day. So what do we think of the Corvettes, guys? Uh, not bad additions. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> the, for a car company that does Le Mans, you know, and that's it in Europe, they don't. They take. They have to take it seriously, and they absolutely are with these lineups. And I'm, I'm going to defer to Chris here because he probably knows more about IMSA than I do. But how have they been going this season so far? Um, I can't remember if they won a race, but they normally are very quiet in the championship. They normally, like, don't come out and dominate and win all these races. They normally just stay consistent and just win the championships that way. And that, you could probably tell them, but you could probably, um, put, put that definition on Corvette when they go to Le Mans because you don't, they, they can be aggressive sometimes, but how often do you see, you know, Corvette making stupid moves, being aggressive, and coming into corners. You normally, 
Corvette's one of those teams where, like, they all of a sudden pop out in, like, the top three. And you're wondering, how do they get there? So I think Corvette, Corvette's going to do just fine. I'm not sure if this is the last race for the C7 point R. Or if it's not. the second to last one for, for Lamar. But, I mean, if it's if it's if this is the Corvette's uh, C7 so- swan song at Lamar, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, just looking at the timing day data, uh, the number 63 car ended the day on top, actually, uh, with a mm-hmm. 354.001, and then uh, only 35 thousandths of a second back was the number 64 car. So they uh, that was actually third position. There was a Ford sandwich between them, but they were at the very top of the timing screens. Now, do we want to look into that too much at this stage, do you think? Uh, no, uh, that was Rocky on top as well. Mm. Tom Milner second. Uh, they'll call me old fashioned, but timing doesn't mean squat uh, for <laughs> test days. Chances are, you know, they're conserving or they're, you know, testing maybe new stuff on the car. It, it all comes down to not even really practice anymore. It's up to the qualifying and the fact that you know qualifying doesn't start till Wednesday night, and we're not gonna get like probably the fast lap time. Probably around Thursday, that first mm. session on Thursday. So it's gonna it's gonna be um it's, it's good it's one of those things where you just gonna have to wait and see who who's got the best car. Yeah. Now the the C seven R is now quite a, an old car. Uh, I think it's been around since what twenty twelve ish around around twenty twelve twenty thirteen. Yeah. Looking to update to the C eight soon. Are we going to miss the big old American muscle for a season? Or do you reckon they'll just stick with the C7R until no, it's dead? They'll, they'll stick with the C7R simply because they haven't even announced the C8 as a customer vehicle yet. That's actually a good point, yeah. Uh-huh. And the fact that you know C6s are still available to race, um, sometimes you'll see it pop up, pop up at the uh, 24 hours of Dubai. And you'll see it maybe at these Dutch club racing events. So <laughs> C7, C7 will never die, no matter how hard you'll try. <laughs> good call, good call. Also, yep. well, let me give you an obscure fact. So Jans Magnussen, obviously father of F1 driver Kevin Magnussen and sports car ace, if my info is correct, he normally races the Danish Thundersport Championship, and that's racing today as the date we are recording this. So it's going to be interesting to see if Jans is racing the Danish Thundersport Championship the weekend before Le Mans. And see how he does, because he normally wins a few races there and does it as a fun little side hobby. No, oh, well, there you go. He could be part of that group of other factory drivers around the world who are doing additional stuff. And the races are streamed live on YouTube. Just look up Mascot DTC in the search bar and you'll probably... <laughs> Is there anything you don't watch? <laughs> That's kind of terrifying, actually. <laughs> kind of terrifying. Cool. We'll move on to the other American sports car muscle in the field. We have four cars from the Ford Chip Ganassi team, two from the UK side, two, of course, from the US. All of them are in heritage liveries this year, which are gorgeous Uh, looking. Three of them are. Uh, Three and a half, we'll say. Uh, So we've got the 66 in the 1966 winning color scheme, the black and white color scheme. Ask me who won that race. No. Uh, we have <laughs> the 67 with the 1967 red and white winning color scheme. We have the 68 with the uh, 
2016 winning color scheme. So not the deep blue and chrome uh, red that we're used to this season, the more brightly colored blue and red of their initial scheme. And then the 69 car is the second place getter from that 1966 race from that famous 1-2. Uh, So, of course, being the Ford factory team, they're bringing all the Ford drivers. So, the 66 is the normal lineup of Stefan Mucha and Olivier Pla. uh, And they're adding current British GT4 driver, Billy Johnson, to that car. Uh, Number 67 is the normal Andy Prio and Harry Tinknell. And they're adding Jonathan Bomarito to that car. Uh, 68 is Joey Hand and Dirk Mueller uh, from the States, plus Sebastian Bourdais in the 68 and number 69 is ryan briscoe and richard westbrook and adding kiwi sensation scott dixon to that car mm-hmm. he's one step away from being sir scott dixon really as of, yeah he, he got a yeah. offer um honor and he is now the like let step below being sir scott oh well yeah yes the things you learn when you do podcasting guys is amazing so the only changes from last year in this team is that we've got I think it's John from Bomarito subbing in for Tony Kanan, who is no longer racing with Ford Chip Ganassi. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, otherwise it's the same dozen drivers, uh, well, the same 11 drivers from last year um, besides that. So is that a is that so, an improvement, do you think? I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. He'll bring that Mazda curse. <laughs> <laughs> that's always but the no, risk. But they are otherwise incredibly strong lineups all around. Um, I'm still going to say the 69 is the strongest. You're so biased towards your countrymen, aren't you? Yeah, but am I wrong? Uh, I'm biased towards my countrymen as well, so yeah. <laughs> uh, but relating to these four cars here now, last year the 68 was actually the fastest and it was actually the best place in the race. Yep, so that would Johan, Dirk Mueller, Sebastian Bourdais. They finished mm-hmm. third in class behind the, the smoked piggies. Mm-hmm. The the piggy smoking Porsches. How have the Fords been doing in the test day and in the championship at this stage? Well, as you mentioned before, second on test day for one of the Fords. That was the 67, 67 car. with Terry Ticknell at the wheel. Um, obviously, we didn't see all the Ford drivers take part in the test day because they had an IndyCar race in Detroit. So drivers like Scotty Dixon, um, Sebastian Bourdais. Sebastian Bourdais didn't take part. I've just noticed it's spelt wrong on the timing sheet. Well done, ACO. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think the timing day is complete, Wait, especially, re- especially... They spelled the Frenchman's name wrong for a French promoter? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I don't think testing day is really relevant for these guys. We haven't seen the true pace and the fastest drivers potentially in those cars. Yep, fair enough. Final question before we move on from the Fords. Which one's the prettiest? Because, okay, this is going to sound incredibly biased, but the black and white one. Okay, why are, we, why are you biased about the black and white one? I mean, half of that, the Kiwis won in it. Oh, uh, yeah, well done. But no, but I think of the four, I mean, yes, you've got a, you've got a goldfish livery. Yeah, I reckon that's my favorite one, the goldfish livery. You see those everywhere. I just think the 66 is going to look stunning on track. It's just a, like, stealthy awesomeness in, in my mind. Chris, so 69 is your favorite car? Of those four, yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that one the most. Um, the sixty nine is playing up, playing a long game here. It's gonna be too dark to see at the night. You're not gonna see it. Ooh, uh, I Ooh. 
I actually, I think the 66 is my favorite. It, as Kiwi said, it looks like a stealth bomber. It looks nuts. Um, just a quick note before we move on from the Fords. At the moment in the WEC Championship, Prio and Tinknell are in fifth place in the championship behind Pla and Muka. But Pla and Muka won the first race at Spa and then haven't had a decent result since, to be honest. Uh, whereas uh, Tinknell and Prio have had a second place at Silverstone and a third at Sebring. So a little bit better in the second half, but honestly a little disappointing from the Ford guys uh, in terms of race results in the WC so far. Mm. Makes, it, makes you wonder if they caught wind that they were just bailing a bit earlier than everyone else. So they thought, ah, we won't take this as seriously. Mm, yeah. And we'll uh, focus more on the big one at the end of the year. Right. Yeah, or exactly. In the middle of, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Moving on, uh, we're talking about the big bimmers next. Uh, number 81 and 82 is BMW Team M-Tech. In the 81 car is the driver lineup of Nicky Katzberg, Martin Tomchik, and Philip Eng. And in the 82, Augusto Farfus, Antonio Felix da Costa, and Jesse Crone. Now, this is going to be the last WEC race for the BMW M8. They lasted one season in the championship, which is... I have to say, very disappointing. Um, I am a little shocked that they decided to bail so quickly. But let's hope they have a decent race in their Swan Song event. What do we think of the the cars and the drivers so far you, in their season? You say you're a little shocked. I'm honestly pissed off by it. Yeah, I'm a little shocked and a little mad. Yeah, that's yeah because it's they've spent how how long in advance did they talk about this program? They, Three years. They started talking about this program. I think in 2016 is the first yep. they started talking about it. Yep, and then they come along, do nothing on track, do nothing off track to promote it, and then they wonder why they're not getting it when they just cut the losses and run. Yeah. Now here's and the thing. At, at the time, then WC could at least afford it. Now here's the thing that. The time, the you know, the time as as time went on, they started improving. I mean, you saw that Spa; they're actually competing for. I mean, it's not much in the regular WEC race, but they're go going up to the top fives. Uh, and just when they were starting to get good, they pulled the plug. Unfortunately, you know, that's kind of the way things go. That's it's gonna go. But at least the IMSA is still there. Ray Hall Ludman Racing is gonna handle the charge for the North American efforts of that BMW M8. So the big mate still going to be alive and well, just like Daytona, so over the wall. The, and as far as the drivers go, I'm going to be honest, I've been disappointed with the drivers as well. Really? Yep. I don't think Nicky Katzberg's lived up to the hype that I've been giving him in that cast particularly. Wow, okay. And I think, and I've commented this a few times in relation to like Chaz Mostert, saying that BMW don't really have that marquee driver. Yeah, that- I, I guess. Look, I... I think you've got to give a pass to the the drivers just a little bit because the cars have been underperforming. We'll put it that way. In saying that, though, when when the BMWs have had pace, it's con- pretty consistently been the eighty two with Farfus mm-hmm. De Costa and for well, Felix De Costa and Jesse Crone, which has been the front runner, and that. But that's not reflected in the in the championship positions at the moment. It's actually the Tomchik Katzberg car, um, which has a whole three points ahead of uh, the Antonio Felix da Costa, sorry, Antonio Felix da Costa Farfus car. Uh, yeah, so, but we're talking down ninth and tenth place here, aren't we? Yeah, it's not really yeah. that promising. We'll put it that way. So it's just, it hasn't been a good program for the BMWs. The best result was a second at Sebring, and even that came in the 
downpour, mm. I think, at the end of the race. Yep. And and testing times, the Beamers have been two-fifths of nowhere. So what we're saying, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, is that we're not really expecting much from BMW, which is quite honestly very disappointing. Yep. And as far as I can now, like, get stuffed. <laughs> wow. I, if... Connor D. Felipe is still with that BMW can. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, try to give him a little ride here. Because he's a Nürburgring 24 overall winner. He has, you know, he does have the experience, maybe not Lamar. I'm surprised they didn't, like, maybe bring him in. D. Felipe might be an RLL contracted driver, though, not a MTech or BMW contracted driver, though. So that might be why he hasn't been brought in. Uh, what about some of the other drivers in the BMW team? What about, for example, say, Philip Eng? So, I mean, Philip Eng, I think he can really come into his own. He has his experience has been building. He won at Zolder in the DTM th- uh, this, uh, what was it, this May. That so, was a cracking Phillip race, Eng, by the way. It was a very cracking race. Watch DTM if you're into <laughs> class one. DTM, DTM has been a really good building ground for these German manufacturers. And I think uh, this kind of proves that Philip Eng, I mean, racing with, arguably some of the best GT racers in the world in that championship. And the fact that he can win at circuits like Zolder, he has fastest laps at tracks like Misano. Uh, he's even got a pole at Hockenheim. So he's definitely building into his own. He's gaining that confidence. He's definitely going to be up there. I think he's going to be one of the fastest drivers in the BMW. Yeah, that's real interesting. I I was expecting it more to be someone like Farfus or DaCosta. So I'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the race as well. Well, my thing is um, DaCosta is racing with Formula E. Katzberg and uh, Farfus is racing with the World Touring Car Cup. And Philip Bang, I believe, he's the one that you know kind of races these kind of cars the most. Obviously, the DTM car is not the same to the GTE car, but... Comparing, you know, a Formula E and WTCR car, yeah. it, they're they're the most similar. They have the most similar traits. So I think Phil Bang's going to, you know, fall into the rhythm really quickly. He's going to have, you know, know what to do. He's not going to come in need, needing a refresher, I think. Well, you'd expect none of these cars, none of these drivers to come in exceptionally needing a refresher. So, because they are, they are all professionals. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, who was the fastest of the BMWs at the test day? Does anyone have that data um, handy? I'll I'll go all the way down, and I can see Martin Tomczyk in the eighty-one was. Well, there you go. So and that was and that was down in he's like the thirtieth on the list. And that's the car Phil Bang is. It? Yeah. So the 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 two BMWs were the lowest two on the test day, and they were over two seconds outside the. Corvette race number 63 and in fact they were a full second behind anyone else mm-hmm. uh, and F- and Philippine despite everything Chris just said was the slowest of all Beamer drivers wow <laughs> Oh, that's unlucky. Okay, come come a more time, he'll show his strength. That's unlucky. We'll move on to the Porsches. Porsche, of course, bringing a four-car field with them again this year. The two GT Manti cars running in the WC, plus the two core cars running in IMSA competition. And so their driver lineup will be in the 91, Ricard Leitz, Gianmaria Bruni, and Frederick Makovicki, uh, same as last year. 
Number 92, Michael Christensen, Kevin Estre, Lawrence Vantor, same as last year. Number 93 this year has Patrick Pillay, Nick Tandy, and Earl Bamber, which is same as last year. And then the third car is no longer the star car for Porsche as it was last year. It is now Sven Müller, Matteo Jaminet, and Dennis Olsen. So it is the young gun car this year. Now, Porsche, having already confirmed the GT Manufacturers Championship, have decided to switch their normal red band on their car to gold, which looks pretty spiffy. Shut up. And the uh, GT cars from Core, Core Racing from the US have decided to run with the Brumos tribute livery that they ran at Sebring and uh, Daytona, which still looks gorgeous, and I am so excited to see Brumos running at Le Mans. So what do we think about the Porsches, guys? I'm really excited for that 94 machine. There's the young guns, Milda, Germany, Olsen. That's going to be a cool car, yeah. They are incredibly quick drivers, the three of them. And now, didn't Olsen win the Bathurst 12 hour this year? Yes. Didn't that whole yes. trio win? Didn't that, the whole trio win the Bathurst 12 hour? Not the whole trio. So the car, the driver oh, that's Olsen. missing from that trio from the Bathurst 12 hour is Matt Campbell. So Matt Campbell uh, is already committed to a GTEM drive, of course. And so it was him, Mueller, and Olsen who, if I recall correctly, were the trio of drivers who won the 12 hour. That sounds correct. Um, yeah. And chucking in Jamina, who's one of the Porsche juniors who's got the most promise, mm. even more so than Campbell, potentially. Yeah. Oh, him coming through Porsche Career Cup France, I believe. Yeah, that would, be, that would be the case, definitely. Though That car is going to be... It's a very, very nice way to get your first factory experience at Le Mans uh, for mm. the likes of Olsen and Jamina. To be in the factory team in a factory car and have the complete pressure off of having you know the legends around you of nick tandy Bamba who have won overall jimmy bruni ricard leitz who have won the championship before christensen estra vantor who won last year it's just you have the complete pressure off you can just sit there and learn from all that experience around you just just to pick up on a point it wasn't sven muller it was dirk verner dirk verner okay yeah. but god damn there's four strong cars <laughs> absolutely right because, yeah, you've got in the 91 car, the, that was the car that took second place. I think they're actually leading the championship at the moment in the 91. Uh, no, they are second. So that was, of course, the Rothmans tribute car last year. The 1992 car, of course, won last year very dominantly. They are in the box seat for the championship as well. So you've got all of this experience around that team. It's just going to be... they. Oh, yeah, the 92. Uh, they have a chance at something really special. They could be the first team to win two Le Mans in a year. Uh, sorry, in a season. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that would be that would be a bit of a unique achievement, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, and meaningless, but anyway. I mean, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> now, of those four cars, which do you reckon is the strongest? Oh, God. Um, the 92 is ridiculous. The 93 is not far behind, in my mind. The 91 isn't far behind either. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. But I'm concerned about this unknown of Michael Christensen. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. About <laughs> um, but I think Kiwi is kind of right on this. The 92 was probably one, one, probably the strongest lineup they have, the 93 being a very close second. The 91, 
it's kind of like the older gentlemen, isn't it? It's not a knock on them, but I think the more younger guys like Christensen, Estra, and Vantor are gonna. I think they're gonna have. They're gonna excel more at this, and I mean, also just want to point out, uh, Frederick Mekavecki butchered that name, but he he's been racing GT500. Um, I'm actually interested to see how his GT500. Because I, it's faster than a GTE Pro car, so I think that could help him with this uh, Porsche, with this race in the Porsche. Hmm. With, so hmm. I'm, 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 I'm pretty. I'm gonna take a look on what how Frederick does in the GT500. Take a look at the results and see how he does throughout the throughout the uh, practice and qualifying sessions for Porsche. See if maybe that improved from last year's time. So just, just an obscure little nitpick, but just <laughs> a little little thing to look at. Cool, yeah, I did not realize that. So yeah, it, it's a very interesting sort of split that you've got between the four cars because as you said, the, the 94 is the young guys. They're here for experience and to learn. The 91 is the, the more experienced head. These are guys who are champions, who have won series and who have competed in a bunch of different cars. And then yeah, the 92 is and, and 93 are the best of Porsche's factory drivers from both America and Europe. Um, so it was the 92 who got the upper hand last year. Um, the 93 had problems last year. And I, I wonder if there's going to be any inter-team battle between Core and Manti, uh, whether or not, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whether or not they'll actually take it to each other. They, they will. Because <laughs> the, the, the worst part about it is this, they've split up BAM4. Oh, I know. It's really depressing. So for those who are out of the loop, um, Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vanthor race together in one of the cars in IMSA series. And they have their own Twitter hashtag. They are they are Bamthor. So they're basically they're basically a married couple. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, it's I I saw them once uh, when they were racing together at Bathurst, and it was just a little uncomfortable. Just yeah, but little... Vantor and uh, Bamber take each other out. The drama gets steamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that would be something. Okay, we're gonna move on. We'll move on from there. Oh, um, on the next episode. On the God damn it. Uh, next up, the last competitors in GTE Pro in the Pro class are uh, the number ninety-five and ninety-seven Aston Martin Racing Vantages. These are the new spec Vantages. Uh, in the ninety-five, we have Nicotine, Marco Sorensen, and Darren Turner, and in the ninety-seven, Maxi Martin, Alexander Lin, and Johnny Adam. Now, these are the same driver lineups as last year, the same cars as last year, but hopefully a bit better of a result than last year. Well, let's not forget last so, year they were still pretty new to the whole racing caper in these cars. Yeah, that is true. They, I feel like they got the balance performance pretty wrong with the Aston. Yeah. Uh, either either that or they were just trash. But they get, they're definitely coming into their own a bit now. They're being a bit more mm. competitive. Uh, having consistent driver lineups is definitely going to help. That 95 lineup is pretty solid. But I reckon the 97 is better. Ooh. What makes you say that? I just reckon they've... I don't know. I just reckon they're slightly better, and I'm still not convinced of Sorensen at all. Really? Well, he just yep. got upgraded from gold to platinum, so... Yeah, it doesn't mean I still am convinced on him. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, plus, I... plus, plus, it could be just a bit of advice that Nikki team's going to piss me off. Really? Wow, yep. this is juicy. Why is that? He's just you don't follow of... British GT, don't you? No, I don't. He's pissed. He gets pissed off at his co-driver, which is an am. He's starting to follow the re- the line that got us really angry with some other 
Fernando Reese levels. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oof, this is fiery. This is toasty. This is juicy stuff. Okay. Well, and, and and if I look at testing, Alex Lynn was the fastest of the Astons. Yep. Um, Sorensen was actually faster, second fastest. Okay. And then you got going down to the others. Yeah, well, remember the 95 car actually encountered some problems in testing. Uh, they had a bit of an electrical gremlin, which stopped them running a significant amount of laps. So that's probably why they were down the timing sheets. They only did, I think, 50 laps total compared to some of the other drivers, uh, some of the other cars who did upwards of 90 for the Corvettes, for example. So, that's, that's very true. Yeah. Um, I still reckon Maxime Martin's an awesome driver. And Alex Lynn as well. And Alex Lynn. And Johnny Adam, he adds a lot to this team as well. British GT, how's he going this season? He's doing pretty well, isn't he? Let me take a look at the results for a second. Yeah, Johnny Adam, driving for, he's driving the GT3 machine for TF Sport, if I recall correctly. He's had, he's had a podium place. He's had, had a couple of issues as well. Last year won the championship for Optimum Motorsport. Nice. Um, and the, I think the issues this year are down to the whole TS4 having a new GT3, the yep, AMR the GT, car. Yep, the new AMR car, yep. So, doing quite well. And of course, he's won three of the last four seasons in wow. British GT. Okay, that's pretty cool. And Johnny Adam is actually the pole sitter for today's Silverstone 500. And, you know, uh, Nicotine did win round number four at Snetterton. So these guys, I mean, they're having some level of success in British GT. And Johnny Adam, obviously, that's kind of where he came from, British GT Championship. And that's where kind of like Aston Martin likes to have the little fun. That's their championship where they have their their cars and their drivers. Like, go have fun. Um, But one guy that's not having fun this championship that's also an Aston Martin factory driver is a little dude named Nicky Team who's getting really mad at his co-driver Mark Far- Mark Farmer. Kiwi, you're not kind. You're not liking this. <laughs> no, I, no, I am not. It's just getting to the point where some of the stuff he's saying and his attitude to his amateur co-drivers and co-drivers who aren't necessarily as good as he is is getting a bit obnoxious like there's a way he carried on after stand away bin the car a couple of years ago his first stream the way he's carried on when the amateur driver had an accident that wasn't entirely his problem it's just getting a bit bit much hmm. interesting would you say this is fernando Rees level or is oh. it not like- we've got a stratosphere and a half to go before we get to fernando Rees. <laughs> okay well look at that i just want to make mention um at the moment, the Aston Martins are on a bit of a resurgence up the WC leaderboard. Um, they are 6th and 7th in the championship, separated by half a point between the two cars. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah. Um, they, of course, take, took wins at Shanghai in the wet and Spa in the snow. Uh, so <laughs> we've seen that that car has a bit of, uh, bit of wet weather ability. Um, so we might see that come into play late in the race, um, especially considering that it always rains up the lawn. <laughs> that was the worst attempt at it. I wasn't attempting at anything. <laughs> Good. So, now that we're at, at the end of the GTE Pro lineup, remember, 17 cars in GTE Pro, 
Where do you put your money? Who do you reckon has the best uh the best go at winning this race for the, for the GTE Pro class? Okay. So what you do at the moment is you go to Excel and to open a function that gives you a random number and see what comes out of that. <laughs> okay. It's this year more than ever GT is completely up in the air. It was last year until Porsche made a made a break on an early stop because of the safety car rules, which have been changed this year to prevent even that happening. Stint links are gone. There's so many things at play this year. The only thing I can be sure of is that it's going to be completely mental, this race. Bold prediction, as always, Kiwi. I like how you committed to saying basically nothing. That's <laughs> what I do best. Uh, Chris, what about you? Who do you reckon, who are you going to put your your uh, your money behind? Just to see a cool redemption arc. I want to see Reese Capitisi only take this one because the fact that, you know, remember around two years ago, they got crashed out at the Mosan Strait by an LFP2. And the fact that this is a just a team of Houston, Texas, um, that doesn't have the funds like AF Corsa is not supported directly by Ferrari really that much. Um, it'd be awesome to see them have the 24 hours of Le Mans one, especially since after that crash, they had to scrap their IMSA program. And the fact that they, have, they haven't done a full-time IMSA program since, only doing a race here and there, I think a Le Mans 24 one will really help them out. I think that'll help for the future of IMSA's GT Le Mans class as that's dwindling down, as well as maybe hopefully they'll f- maybe fund them, maybe, from that Le Mans win to hopefully attend more future Le Mans 24 as maybe build up a full-time IMSA team. Mm, okay. I was going to say, if we're talking about cars we want to win, I'm going to say the 93. Yeah, uh, that was the direction I was about to head in. I will be un- unsurprisingly biased and say I'm going to put my money behind Porsche. I think with their RSR this season in the WC, it just has performed consistently better than any other car. Even when it's been hit by BOP, the team has just been able to get it set up and to get it operating at a level that enables it to be competitive. And I, yeah, I think the 92 or the 93 is going to be the car that takes the win. Now, follow-up question, which car do you want to win the race? Which car are you going to, are you excited about watching in this race? Which car I want to win? I'm going to probably go with the BMWs. I mean, it's a swung song. Obviously, it's kind of crap the way they're going to go out, but I think a win, for especially for BMW, it would help their PR marketing very much. <laughs> and plus, it'll help, maybe help the IMSA team get some more, um, what's the word should I say? Funding? Support? More support. More, <laughs> yeah, it'll get... It'll, you may get more, you know, the IMSA team can go, hey, our cars can win Le Mans. I mean, and maybe if Ray, Ray Hall, Letterman Racing and BMW cooperate, that could maybe lead to customer cars, at least in IMSA. So, uh, I don't know, long shot, but I, can't, I just want to see BMW because it's your last race. And I don't know how many times BMW is going to win a chance, have a chance at a Le Mans win after that. I think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> sorry. If if BMW win and then just leave, I would feel cheated. I honestly, would, yep. I think you got the impression of my rant before. I would hate to see a BMW win, but yeah. I'll be honest. I I can see a reason not to like all these cars. Okay, give me a reason not to like the number ninety four car. I mean, I say when I say cars, I mean teams. 
Oh, teams. Yeah. Oh, well, that's no fun. Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry about that, Chris. By the way, oh, we're not. It's not a personal attack. I just think it's. It would be the the way that the that BMW have treated their WC commitment has been disrespectful. So for them to get a win in their last race would be disrespectful. But of course, it's Le Mans. Anything can happen. Mm. Uh, what about you, Chris? Kiwi Chris, this time. Yep. Well, I I don't want to see the Corvettes. I want to see the Corvettes do well, actually. Um, I was trying to phrase it another way, but I want to see the Corvettes do well because I think it's just it's just another win for the old girl. The car we don't see much at Le Mans. They just sound awesome as well. And if I was going to pick one of the two, I'd pick the 64. I know the fans can be obnoxious at times. If I just yeah, if you, if you look at the uh, IMSA fans Facebook group, which is basically um, IMSA... It's basically the IMSA meme page on Facebook. There's a lot of memes about Corvette fans, and uh, unfortunately, it's some of them are true. <laughs> this like, is very true. Uh, you know, the muscle shirts and jorts kind of thing. That's, yeah. that's yeah, that's the Corvette fan. Yeah. Um, also, the 94, I'd love to see win, just because awesome. And it's, that's a really exciting driver lineup. As to who's going to win, well, good luck. So that's the GTE Pro Class. Now, as we've made mention of, uh, we won't really know what to expect until the racing starts, well, until practice starts on the uh, on the Wednesday. Now, the reason for that is because the BOP for the GTE cars, of course, hasn't been finalised yet, uh, which means that there could still be adjustments made to the performance of the cars heading into Le Mans. Now, there, a lot of people, of course, ask, why do you have to go through BOP? Can't everyone just race at the maximum of their abilities? Yada, yada. Now, BOP is an important part of GT racing because it helps control costs and development by limiting performance, by equalizing performance. Uh, now, that might seem a bit cheap, but honestly, it provides some great racing and it enables brands to bring their marquee sports cars together and battle it out mm-hmm. on track without having to worry about spending oodles of money to develop them and make them unsafe and make them faster and all that sort of stuff, which is how the GT1 class happened and then failed uh, in the late 90s. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways that balanced performance gets applied to the cars. Of course, the most common is uh, is weight, uh, adding or subtracting ballast from the cars. You can also uh, specify specific aerodynamic uh, parameters or change the car's aerodynamics. Um, you can also specify turbo boost pressures and RPM and uh, adjust the ride height on the cars as well. So all of this is done, uh, and, and of course, sorry, restrictors, and in sorry air restrictors in the engine to limit power and acceleration so all of this can be done in preparation for the event and we probably won't get a final balance performance until well hopefully before the weekend because uh, in the <laughs> past we've had balance performance changes on the friday which is not what you want to see now kiwi you have a few little bits of data to talk to us about, um, explaining how the balance performance has worked for the WEC this season. Yes. Now, these graphs come from our good mate, Travis Source, sportscarengineering.com. Let's get his website in there. Yeah, big old plug to sports car engineering. Yep. Um, especially, now, I know you mentioned that at Le Mans last year, the Astons probably weren't BOP the best. Mm-hmm. But since then, it's particularly the last three races, 
we've seen the BOP really come together quite well. The highlight for me has been Sebring. Uh, you look at the top 50 laps for all cars in GT Pro from Sebring, they're within eight-tenths of a second. Wow, for every single car? For every single GTE Pro car. Wow, that's phenomenal. The, uh, the 30th best lap for the Beamer, for the 81 Beamer, was 159.2. The 30th best lap for the 95 Aston was 135.9. That's a very small window. Oh, that's so, only so, three tenths. Yeah, yeah three tenths. Sorry. I spoke, sorry, 159.9. Okay. Yeah, that's like, what's that, seven tenths. Yep. An incredibly small window. And it's this sort of consistency we see. We Even at Spa, and Spa UK was a bit wet. We had a bit of a disparity. Oh, I say a bit wet. <laughs> and, that, and that was about one one second to one and a half seconds between the best cars. But that was obviously convoluted by weather and whatnot, and it's a longer lap time. Mm. And it's cool that you get you can pull that sort of data out from the results. Now, just for a bit of context, uh, what you say is a one fifty nine around Sebring. Yeah. So within seven tenths, that's less than a percentage point uh, in difference between the cars' lap times. Because of course, uh, what one hundred and twenty seconds is two minutes, and so if you're less than a second apart, you're less than one hundred twentieth, which is definitely less than one percent. So these are incredibly close lap times, and even the spread that we're seeing in the field currently between a three fifty four and a three fifty six seven, which mm. is which is two and a half seconds, let's call it. That is still only just around one percent, which at around a you know four minute lap is pretty good, I'd say. Yeah, and the other good thing about it is it's not especially at Sebring and um, and Spa. It hasn't been one mark that's dominating. Like the quickest Beamer was separated by one of the Fords and two of the Porsches from the other Beamer. Mm. It's not just one mark who's just taking off. So BAP, since they've brought in the semi-automated process, has been pretty good. Le Mans is obviously a bit different because they take a lot more of a manual approach. But I've got faith that I'll get it right. And based on testing times, they certainly will. I agree with that. Hopefully we see each of the marks being competitive and that brings into... Uh, a good race, because that's, at the end of the day, what we want most is a good race. And, and with how LMP1's looking, we need a good GTE Pro race. Well, hopefully would've, would've 17, 17 cars will help us get there. Okay, Agreed. so we'll move on from GTE Pro. Uh, we'll look towards now GTE Am. Uh, and there's a few uh, important differences when we're talking about GTE Am that we may- need to make sure that we cover off before we start talking about each of the cars and each of the drivers. Now, firstly, there's two definite requirements that you need to meet in GTE Am. Uh, and they are that the car that you're driving must be a of a specification at least one season old in the WEC and mm-hmm. that you have a at least a, a single bronze and a silver driver in your car and then the third driver can be whatever ranking you want. So what that means is that, for example, the Porsche 911 RSR, which was running in the WEC in the Pro Class in 2017, is fine uh, to use in the... Uh, WEC for this season and this race, but Aston Martin's new car, which started in the WEC uh, last year in 2018, uh, is still new for this season, so you can't have that car running in the AM class. So you'll notice all the Aston Martins are the old, the old lady Aston Martin Vantage, um, and 
at the end of the day, we talk a little bit less about BOP in the AM classes because while there is BOP, it's very similar to the Pro class and doesn't really that uh, affect it that much. Um, what we do talk about a lot is how good the AM drivers are and how much they affect the race. Uh, because, of course, these AM drivers, they're silver and bronze rated, they're not the quickest guys, and they do have a, a significant effect on how the race is run. Basically, at the end of the day, all the pros are about the same sort of level. So, you know, having an AM driver that's half a second quicker than another one is a very important thing, isn't it? It is. And it's important to note there's almost like two categories of silver and AM drivers. You have those who are just in here for the love of the race and those who are here, young drivers, making their way up the ranks. Yeah, so you get this very interesting mix of what we might call super silvers versus the traditional silver driver. Hmm. And it certainly adds, adds to another element to it. If you can get yourself one of those super silvers, it puts you a long way to getting a good result in this race. Mm, exactly right. Uh, so those are the two things that we're going to be talking a lot about in this AM class preview. Um, we only have four marks in the AM class at Le Mans this year. Uh, so we've got a bunch of Ferraris, a few Porsches, one or two Aston Martins, and a Ford GT for the first time, which is very Ooh. exciting. And we'll talk a bit about that when we get to it. But we'll start from the top with... Uh, uh, the number 54 Spirit of Race AF Corsa Ferrari. This is the WEC full season entry of Thomas Floor, Francesco Cacciolacci, and Giancarlo Fisichella. Reasonable pro, pro driver. Yeah, just a few Formula One wins. Not, nothing too serious. Yeah. Interesting to note as well, Cacciolacci was actually one of the fastest AM drivers from the test day. Oh, really? Yeah. How, how fast are we talking here? Are we talking like faster than some of the Super Silvers, or are we talking about getting into the pro ranks? Uh, we're talking about mixing it with some of the pros. Ooh, that's exciting. Uh, let me. I'm going to go back to my timing sheet now. I did highlight it, but I deleted my highlighter. Good on me. Well done. So Francesco Cazzolacci uh, did a 357.219 ahead of drivers like Marcel Fassler, Jesse Crone, Philip Ng. Wow. That's and he surprising. Was, yeah, he was one. So he, he, was, he was the drivers he was behind in the AM category. Tony Vianenda, Matt Griffin, Giancarlo Fisichella. That is a that is terrifying <laughs> trio of drivers to be behind. Wow. Okay. So that Spirit of Race car is looking very, very strong. I have the results of a few of their races in the WEC in front of me. They actually haven't taken a win this year, but they have taken two second places. One at last year's Le Mans and one at Sebring. So they definitely they definitely have uh, a lot of experience behind the team, of course, with Giancarlo Fisichella. And they're not no slouch either. They are second in the mm. championship currently. And even their bronze, Thomas Floor, he's not slow. He was hitting four-minute lap times as well. So that's that's actually on the very top end of the bronze rankings, isn't it? Mm, it is. Mm. And they did get second in last year's Lamar 24 as well. So. Yeah. So definitely, definitely a team to keep an eye on, especially if you're a Ferrari fan. Okay, next car on the list is the number 56 Team Project 1 Porsche. This is the current WEC Championship leader, and it's presented... In a beautiful art car scheme, which is a bit weird and a bit awesome. Uh, it's the theme of the uh, the art car. I think is called Second Skin or something along those lines. Um, of course, assisted by our good friend Andy Blackmore, and it looks really, really cool. It looks really, really bizarre. I I I actually like it. I think it's I, good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just you know you, you get these bizarre art cars, and you got you got this. You got Rebellion. You got in a way, 
Kessel are doing art card type things as well. They look real cool though. Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. We'll get get through to them in a second. Um, driving this car is Jorg Bergmeister as the Putnam. Patrick Lindsay is the silver driver, and Edigio Perfetti is the bronze driver in that car. And he's actually a very good bronze driver. Mm. He's now can we remember he's the son of Mr. Mentos or he is Mr. Mentos? I have no idea. Is that where the sponsorship comes from? I'm pretty sure. Oh. Must be. And the fact that I remember the first season of the Michelin Le Mans Cup, they're running, I believe, just a plain white Porsche, just Mentos stickers on it. And and that was like a really Norwegian driver that I haven't heard from before. So that kind of makes it full circle now. Cool. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Director of the family business, Perfetti Van Mali, which make Mentos. <laughs> Well, there you go. The more you know. Um, this car has been the class of the field in WEC competition since the number 77 got all their points deleted. Looking to take a debut championship victory for Team Project 1 uh, in their first season, which is pretty exciting. And they are mm-hmm. stepping up to two cars next season, which is also very cool. And why wouldn't they win? They've got the quality of drivers they've got because Patrick Lindsay's a very solid silver as well. Yeah, and then throw Jorg Bergmeister, former factory Porsche, like, pro racing factory Porsche driver. That's a really, really cool he's, lineup. He's been like almost everywhere. Like pretty much he probably raced in Germany before ADAC. Probably he definitely raced in Super GT before. So basically he's kind of, if if pro drivers won't really do it, he'll step in. Yeah, exactly right. And he's quite good. We'll put it that way. This car is almost tied up the, the GTM championship i think i'm just double checking that they are 23 points ahead of their closest rival so basically if they finish third out of the wec cars they've won the championship so that's pretty good pretty good stat for them sweet Mm. cool um where do we see these guys at the end of the 24 hours i think they'll be in their top three wec cars to confirm the championship it's hard to see them otherwise i would agree um it is definitely uh something well, last year they had, they ran into trouble. They were a bit further down. Um, but there are there are a few other WEC entries that we'll get to, which are quality as well. So it might not be a foregone conclusion, but it is looking pretty good in my opinion. What about you, Chris? Um, Kiwi said definite top three. I'm not too certain on that because you have the two Dempsey Pronon cars. Mm. Plus you have JMW Motorsport that's coming in who won this race before in their class. Then you have, let's see, what else do you have? You have, I think TF Sport might pose a challenge. And the fact that there is the Ford GT now, I don't know how it did in testing at GTM, but it has, the, if the car works well, they, they have some good drivers in it. I mean, they have yeah. um, Felipe Fraga, you know, Jerome Blinkamolin. So I don't think it's a top three certain for that team. But, I think but, they're going to have to fight through it. I did qualify that by saying WC cars. Okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a foregone conclusion, but it's looking pretty good. Uh, we'll crack on. Uh, the next car on the list is the number 57 Car Guy Racing Ferrari 488. This is coming from the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, a bright yellow Ferrari with Car Guy written all over it, which is pretty cool. Drivers for this are Takeshi Kimura, K. Francesco Cozzolino, a very Italian-Japanese driver. Uh, and... <laughs> And uh, a bit of a surprise, Combe Lettigar is driving in this car, which is a huge pickup for Car Guy Racing. Massive pickup. Now, this is a car that won the Asian Le Mans GT- GTE Championship. Yes, G- GT3. GT3, sorry, yes. So stepping up to a GTE because they have to. Yep. Um, and that's actually not a bad lineup. Uh, we don't see much of the Asian Le Mans series, but they were 
from memory, pretty dominant. Yeah, they took uh, they took the championship victory, of course. I think they had it confirmed before the last round of the season, which is pretty impressive. It is always nice to see a bit more variety on the grid. Now, I'm very interested in K. Francesco Cozzolino's story because he's listed as a Japanese driver, driving for a Japanese team, but that is definitely the most Italian name I've yep. ever seen. He um, He's Japanese-born Italian racing driver. He races under an Italian license. Oh, okay. He's... Basically, been I think from looks like he was born in Italy, but grew up in Japan. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. went to there at an early age. Even went karting in Japan. So, interesting thing is that James Collado they have his factory Ferrari commitments. He probably would have raced with Car Guy since yeah, he, he was with them for the Asian Le Mans series. Yeah, they won and... every race. He was with them when when they won every race. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that'll help. And Com Com Ledegar, um, he's an interesting dude because. He, you see him as he was in blank pan. He raced with the McLaren. Yep, won the championship with Robert Bell and Shane Van Gisbergen in 2016. Mm-hmm. So he's winning championships and winning and driving in these big endurance races. But he, every now, every now and then, he, you find yourself watching an obscure Porsche Carrera Cup series race, and Cole Ledegar is there. Like this weekend at the DTM Asana round, Porsche Car Cup France was supporting the event. He was racing there. So he's keeping himself busy, that's for sure. He he also did like Porsche Carrera Cup Italy. So he's done a lot of Porsche stuff for for a guy racing with Ferrari, Le Mans. Yeah, it's really interesting. I guess he's one of those gun for hire sort of drivers kind of like a, a blake and Wallen or something like that just kind of goes and does, races whatever he wants for fun no i mean well it might not be too odd because porsche career cups um they sort of have sort of some some have a tradition of having a guest driver like yeah. porsche career cup scandinavia at jock villeneuve uh, so it, it could be just Cole Ledegard just having, you know, being a little guest driver, having a little fun for a round or two. I don't think he's done full seasons, but um, it could be just that. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I think adding Cole Ledegard to that team, he, he'll have a lot of responsibility to bring that car up the grid. But to be honest, it is just cool to see a, a few more of the Asian Le Mans series teams making, well, getting invited to make the jump to the GT, uh, GT ranks at Le Mans. <laughs> Particularly the Japanese teams, because they generally stay in their wheelhouse a lot. Yeah, this is actually quite true. It's a good point. On Keeping that in mind, what do we expect from them uh, come the end of the 24 hours? I reckon they were surprised. Oh, really? What? what do you, yep. How surprising? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them possibly fighting for a top five at the end of the race. They're, I mean, okay, the GT3 championship in Agent One Series isn't necessarily fantastic in terms of quality. There's only, what, one, two, six cars. They still got to win it, and they bit off drivers like Dries Santor, Johnny Molan, uh, Will Bamber. Yeah, so you know, respectable, respectable. Alessandro Alice Alice Preguidi. Oh wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> so fair enough. They they've got <laughs> some know. got some stones behind them. Cool. I I think if they get to the finish, it'll be an achievement for the team, and I can't wait to see them in more GT competition at the Asian One Series at the Bend, and for example. I think the advantage Car Guy kind of has is that. If you're watching Japanese racing series like Super Tycoon, Super GT, they they have a bunch of different cars that they had. They had a Honda and NSX for the Super GT, GT300 class, and they raced a Lamborghini Huracan for a short bit in the two Super Tycoon championship. But they have really adapted to this Ferrari the best. Now, obviously, the GTE is different than a GT3 in some capacity, 
I think they're. I think it's just gonna feel kind of the same to them, just a bit faster. And I think since they, from what I've gathered and the information I have on top of my brain here, they have only won with this Ferrari. They haven't really won in anything else, so okay. it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh, farewell in their first GTE race. But with all the experience they have in the GT3, I think I think they'll be up there, top five, I think. Hmm. Well, okay, that's a pretty high price for them. Oh, I wish them best of luck. I don't I don't see them ousting the likes of some of the other teams that we've got, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do. Okay, next up we've got a swarm of Ferraris to get through. So we'll start off with the two Kessel racing cars. Uh, so firstly we have the number sixty. This is the orange striped blue, black, and orange car, I guess. Um, this one has the Italian flag on the rear because its drivers are Claudio Schiavone, Sergio Pianz- uh, Pianazzola, and Andrea Pacini in the number 60. And then the other car, which will have a lot of interest around it, is the number 83 car. This is the all-female lineup for this event. Uh, this is the blue, black, and purple striped car with the French flag on the end plate with drivers Manuela Gosner, Rahel Frey, and Michelle Gatting in that car. So Kessel Racing, uh, earning two entries to Le Mans through the European Le Mans series. Well, sorry, one from the European Le Mans series, the second one, the all-female car actually coming from the Michelin Le Mans Cup winning, uh, winning car. So that's how they got their invite. They've been actually doing respectably well in the European Le Mans series this year. So we could see the Kessel cars towards the front of the race, definitely um, throughout the 24 hours. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here, Flood. Uh, what cars are they using this year in the European Le Mans series? Are they I using th- the GT888s or the 488 Evos? I think in the European Le Mans series, they're using the 488 Evo. Now, the problem is, because the Evo was introduced for this season in the 488 spec, they can't use that in GTE AM competition until next season. So, they are for Le Mans running the old spec 488. You reckon that have much of an impact? Not really. Reason being that the Evo kit for the 488 hasn't actually been that impressive in WC competition. Mm. Uh, and so I, I don't think reverting back to the old spec is going to be as detrimental as some other changes mm. that they might have to make. That's it. Now, both these lineups, they're good lineups, but they're not the quality of others in this class. That female lineup, though, they've got some pedigree behind them. Yes, and I think that's uh, something that surprises a few people when you just look at the the names. They don't really jump out at you, but they have actually gotten uh, quite a few uh, regional championship wins. I think um, Michelle Gatting has... Chris would probably know better. Uh, she raced in some Scandinavian competition and was doing quite well. Was that is that correct? I'm going to be honest with you. I never hear, even heard of the name, but it can okay. be a, a, a fact that she... Canada. I've got driver database up for her if you want. Okay, hit me. So she was part of the car that came second at Paul Ricard this year. Yep. She's won races in the Danish Super Turismo Turbo. Yeah, that was what I was, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I know came, that series. She came second in Pro-Am at the 24 Hours of Dubai. Wow, actually that's, that's a oh. pretty good shout. Yeah, so they're, they're definitely quality drivers in that car. Hmm. Um, Rahel Frey's been a GT1. Wow. Racing the Ford GT1. Wow, that's a throwback and a half. That that would be literally 10 years ago. Yep, 2010. I remember it because the name came up when I was doing my research for that one. 
Good shout. Um, so yeah, definite pedigree in these in these cars. Uh, and as Kiwi mentioned, second place in the first round of the ELMS on debut, which is very impressive. And I'm actually the the 83 is going to get a lot of attention, of course, being mm-hmm. an all female driver lineup. But the the number 60 isn't some uh, something to shirk at either. Um, Andrea Pacini is definitely a name that I've heard before in GT competition. Uh, so that that car could fly under the radar with all the attention being given to the sister car. Yep. And by the way, they're pink, not purple. Um, pink, purple, potato, tomato. Really, they are, with the, with the blue right next to it, it does look fairly purple. Whatever. It's a girl car. It must be pink. That that's how that works, right? <laughs> I'm I'm going. Daddy Reynolds, where are you? I'm just going to leave that alone. Moving on. Uh, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, moving on. Number sixty-one. Uh, this is the WEC entered Clearwater Racing Ferrari. Uh, this is formerly the. Uh, who's used to drive in this car? It was the old Winston Mock Katasawa car. Of course, they've now retired from competition. So it has been driven this year at Sebring and Spa-Francorchamps by the trio of Louis, uh, Louis Perez Compagnac, Matt Griffin, and Matteo Crisoni. Crisoni. This car, of course, was inherited by that trio of drivers uh, for this year. It didn't start at Sebring after an accident in qualifying, which is a real shame. Didn't do too badly at Spa-Francorchamps, I don't think. Ended up finishing third, which is a pretty good result. But I haven't been blown away by the Crisoni Compagnac uh, partnership yet, so I'm not super on board with this team as as at this stage. Really, the problem is Mac. We everyone hypes up Mac Griffin so much, but he has a lot of work to do to get this car to a competitive state. Yeah, exactly right. I think that is um, that is the issue, and especially as well, you know, with uh, Wingsfield Mock and Katasawa sort of pulling out it. Uh, it does affect the team as well because the team was based around them. They were the one who were bringing the money to the team. So I, I'm mm-hmm. guessing that the, the team as well might not necessarily be in poor spirits, but it's just they don't seem to have the same gel, the same connection as they did uh, with those drivers at the wheel. Compank and Crisoni race in Blank Pain and, correct me if I'm wrong, occasionally Creventic competition as well? Yep. Yep, I've seen Everything pretty. I believe Lewis Perez Compact, I believe his brother does this, that stuff. Okay. Uh, well, Louis... and, uh, his brother got injured at the power car thousand K, so Ooh, oh, that's not good. Broken vertebrae. Wow. Ooh, that's not great. Mm. Um but Louis Perez Compact, this is his, gonna be his sixth Le Mans. Wow. Um he's raced uh, a few times with Pierre Kaffer and Nicholas Manassian. Okay. He's also a former WRC driver. Oh really? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, um, scored his first points at the 2006 Rally of New Zealand. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, where do we see them shaking out of this field towards uh, towards the end of the race? Uh, look, they'll keep. They'll, I reckon they'll keep it clean. Yep. Just how far up the field they are, and as we know at Le Mans, keeping it clean is after battle. That is a good point, and especially being in the lowest class, uh, they'll have to put a lot of effort into being passed effectively. So, mm. yeah, I reckon getting to the finish in one piece will be a, a good result. Uh, if they can snag a top five as well, that'll be even better. Yeah, I'm just trying to quickly, quickly timing and time and pace for um, the test day. They they weren't exactly quick either. Mm. Has Cassoni uh, tri- raced at Le Mans before? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if he has. Okay, well, then he might have had to do rookie laps, which would have taken some time out of the... Um, he- 
he was oh, still he has. second fa- oh, oh okay. he has there you go but he was still second fastest of the three he raced in 2015 with AF Corsa and G- oh well there you go yeah so oh, then, he would have been fine then cool okay dokey that's actually not too bad then Okay, we'll crack on. The next car is the number 62 WeatherTech Racing Ferrari 488 GTE. This is, of course, coming from uh, across the pond in IMSA competition. This livery has been put together, of course, by our good friend Andy Blackmore and features the WeatherTech trio of Cooper McNeil, Robert Smith, and Tony Vlander jumping into that car. Now, that is a parachuting in from above and a half, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, who knows what he's in for? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I mean, I shouldn't be that harsh on him because he actually hasn't been terrible the last. I mean, let's be honest, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been as terrible as he has been. Uh, we're talking about Cooper McNeil here, of course. Yeah. 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 Mm, I think that's a little mean. They did finish fifth last year, but that was at the seat of the JMW. Uh, this is uh, Cooper McNeil in isolation. Uh, yeah. Because he was, uh, he bought out the JMW Motorsport Drive last year. So you know that's we are a bit unkind to Cooper McNeil sometimes. It's just the reason being that he likes to politic around the sport a bit too much, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. So and especially in remember the time when Emza where he switched car manufacturers around so fast because he it didn't like you know what the car was. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right. In saying that though, it- Robert Smith. Where has Robert Smith come from? He's definitely a name that I know. Is he former JMW? Uh, he well, if not, yeah, um, true. I think he was the JMW Lincoln. Yeah. He was the reason why they bought the JMW. Yep, entry in the first place. Yep, and then of course Tony Vlander. Everyone knows Tony Vlander. I still have dreams about his stints at Bathurst where he was setting qualifying times three seconds a lap quicker than everyone else and just basically won the race single-handedly, the madman. Um, so expect that car to be quite quick, In actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about it a bit more. That guy, that that group is going to be right up there with uh, with some of the best other teams, I think. Mm-hmm. And Robert Smith as well this year is racing in British Touring Car Championships in an MG. Oh, well, yes. there you go. Yes, I still make them. Brilliant. And Tony v- Tony Vlander, he is a co-driver to Miguel Molina in the Blank Pan GT World Challenge America Championship. Um, they won race one together. Now they have to face at Lamar. Um, different ooh. classes, ooh. but they have to... Ooh. Yeah, this is actually quite interesting because last year uh, Tony Vlander was in the uh, second AF Corsa car, the, the kind of... Not Reezy, but kind of a little Reezy car. But he's been replaced in that car by... Who has he been replaced in that car by? We were talking about it earlier. Um, By Jules Gunon. Uh, so, yeah, it's Is, very... I wonder if it's he's been replaced. So Cooper Mignol's gone, here, write a number in this checkbook and I'll pay you. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, it could be that. Um, I actually think these guys are looking for a top five. I will, I will say they'll get a top five. I can't see it. I just can't, can't see. see the other two uh, being that fast. The, the car guys have a better chance of doing okay. the top five because I think I think Cooper Cooper McNeil's gonna like, crash it out. I don't think it's a bit harsh. He hasn't been crashing. He's just been slow. I I don't even think he's that slow. He's kind of like uh, Tracy Crone, which we'll get to a bit later on. He's he he's was... good in the car, but there's always a little bit of a risk of him doing something that's a bit face palmy. Yeah, he was 16th slowest out of everybody at the test day. So yeah, not terrible. Yeah. I, I I think they'll do better than that. We'll see. He's actually, 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 interestingly, 400th of a second off Ben Keating. Exactly right. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll see 
we'll see how that shakes out uh, when we get to the Keating Motorsports car a bit later on. Uh, next up, we've got number 70 MR Racing, uh, run by AF Corsa. This is a WEC entered car in the Ferrari 488 GTE, featuring drivers um, Motoaki Ishikawa. Yes, I got that right. Olivia Beretta mm-hmm. and Eddie Cheever third. So, this this group have been racing WC competition all year. They haven't had the best of runs. Um, had a DNF at Fuji, a few very low placings, uh, and they took fourth in class last year at Le Mans. Sorry, fifth in class, but that was, of course, only counting the WEC drivers. Overall, they finished... Uh, whereabouts are they? They finished 38th and they were the fourth to last classified finishers. So not necessarily great, but they did get to the end. The big ticket name in that car, of course, is Olivia Beretta, who has, I think, F1 experience, if I recall correctly. It does. 1994 for the LaRousse team. Yeah, well, there you go. So he's the platinum in that car and has a lot of responsibility. But yeah, uh, I haven't really seen a lot of positive, a lot of positive signs, meaning you know, chasing mm. race wins and that sort of stuff from MR Racing. So I'm not too excited about the number seventy car. They are in fact second to last in the championship, and that is only because the Dempsey Proton car below them uh, got all their results scrubbed and doesn't have the power of the other Dempsey Proton car, which is already almost on the podium in the championship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's the fair assumption. They've been almost the worst thing a team can be, anonymous. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Any extra comments on that, Chris? Um, I think the only interesting thing that strikes out to me is that Eddie Chewy third, um, because he has an American link, you know, his dad, Eddie Cheever II, was an Indianapolis 500 winner and also a, Formula, a former Formula 1 driver. Um Eddie Cheever III, looking at his history, he's been pretty much the most. He's been very diverse in his choice of racing cars. He had raced in the open, you know, open wheel single seaters, trying to get the Formula One back in the early late 2010s, early 2010s. Uh, then he made the switch to uh, NASCAR. He actually won a NASCAR Willen Euro Series race. He won oh. a couple of them actually, oh, yeah. and he also did a race stateside with the NASCAR K N Pro Series East. Um, he also did a, f- f- a few. Uh, he started a sports car journey in 2014 with IMSA and GTD. He's also a 2016 Italian GT champion, and it, he's just been racing Ferraris ever since in WeatherTech or International GT Open. Or oh, yeah, except. now in now in WC. Yeah, now you know, dipping his hand into the prototype pool as well with racing with the Spirit of Daytona back in 2008. Oh, yeah, very diverse. Yeah, line up of machinery there. To be honest, I I think this team getting to the finish will be a an achievement. Uh, I don't see them having the pace to to challenge yeah. even the other WEC teams. To be honest, agree. I think this will be the team kind of like for me. They'll mark down on my timing screen because I think they might. They're going to be slow, kind of, and it's going to be fun seeing them pick off the people who retired. And, <laughs> um, it's just going to be one of those one of those cars for me that I'm just going to look at the end, at the timing. It's like, oh, it's this is like a battle for you know fifty fiftieth overall. Um, <laughs> having said that, from test day, Eddie Cheever was like seventh fastest of the AM competitors. Oh, yeah, he's he's not he's not slow. He's, he's and even the, even the slowest guy, Ishikawa, was not that slow compared to everyone else. So he was just behind Dalalana. 
Oh, well, then, then it surprises me that they have been so consistently off the pace in WEC competition then because, you know, having a best result of fifth uh, in WEC competition if in a class that's nine nine cars isn't, you know, uh, isn't that impressive at all. So, yeah. Could have, I don't know, I haven't been following too closely in WEC this year. Could have been, like, maybe outside circumstances, maybe problems with the car or stuff like that. Maybe they're acting... Stuff like that. They've had a couple of issues, but nothing major. Yeah, it's it, and even the issues that they have had can be pointed towards sort of lack of preparation and that sort of stuff. So mm. yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, bit like that for the MR Racing crew. Yeah, well, not, I'm not even sure if we're going to be seeing them next season. Um, I hope we do, just because GTM, a good healthy GTM field, is always fun to watch. Uh, but we'll see how they go. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to the next group of cars these are going to be we're going to go through all four proton porsches uh in one fell swoop to get them all out of the way at once so Mm -hmm. firstly uh we have the two wec full season entries the dempsey proton racing cars uh these are in the porsche 911 rsrs uh they are the black uh, and gray triangle liveries with one in the blue and one in the gray on the rear end so the first one is the 77 the matt campbell christian reed julian and car and the next proton dempsey proton racing car is the 88 um satoshi hoshino giorgio rota and matteo cairoli now the 77 car won le mans last year in the gtm class they were the absolute class of the field they also took wins at i believe uh fuji and at spa but of course, due to their, uh, let's say, liberal modification of the uh, <laughs> timing data, they, they actually modified some uh, timing. I, I don't even know how to explain it. They, they modified a, the way that data was relayed to the FIA to make it seem like they were doing longer pit stops, but they were actually taking shorter pit stops. It was really, really, like, not... Not, not good. Not good, no. It, they were blatantly cheating. Um, and so they got all of their points docked uh, for the first rounds of the season. So it is because of that that the number 88 car is last in the championship, whereas the 77, which should be well out in front, to be honest, is now fourth, but only four points behind third place in the championship. Another interesting point about the 77 car if you are a bit of a nerd like me and like us here, you might have noticed that on the FIA driver ratings 2019 update, which I may have downloaded to my computer, shut up, um, Julian Andauer is now a gold-rated driver, but he maintains a silver rating for this year's Le Mans. Now, does anyone know why that is? Because it, the uh, WEC season started last year. And this is a still current adaptation of the current WEC series yes, season. Exactly right. So uh, he is able to maintain his silver rating from competing in the WEC last season. Uh, there is one or two other drivers that that affects, and we'll go through them when we encounter them. So yeah, that's a really, really uh, interesting car to look at. Now, how do we feel about the Proton cars, the, the two Dempsey Proton cars? The 77 is going to be your race winner, most likely. Okay. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> Honestly, Matt Campbell is just awesome. Julian Adlow is just awesome. 
Christian Reed's not as awesome, but he knows how to keep the car on the straight and narrow. Yeah, Christian Reed is proton racing, by the way, yeah. uh, for those yeah. who uh, might not be as informed. Uh, yeah, Matt Campbell has had an absolute breakout season in Porsche competition. Of course, uh, winning Le Mans last year, winning uh, the Bathurst 12-hour with some absolutely mad overtaking this year. Uh, and he's really stepped up to be a leader in the Dempsey Proton outfit. Yeah. Julian Anlauer, I think, has won Carrera Cup France once or twice, and he is only like nineteen or twenty years old as well. So that's and pretty exciting. He also did Porsche Carrera Cup Deutschland at the Red Bull Ring this weekend, so he has a relatively short flight to Le Mans. <laughs> well, <laughs> he can walk that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, if that car doesn't finish on the podium, something terrible has happened to well, it. Well, put it this way. If it wasn't for their for the disqualification, they would have won six rounds out of seven so far in the championship. Yeah, that's that tells you how strong this, this lineup is. Um, what about the 88? Uh, that car last year had Khaled Al-Kabaisi instead of uh, Satoshi Hoshino. It has been by far more inconsistent than the number 77. Uh, and since its disqualification of points, it's only managed a top result of third, and that was at Shanghai in the wet. So what are we what are we expecting from the 88 car? Well, it's interesting because Satoshi Hoshino, he brings the D-Station money. Yep. Um, he's been racing Porsches and stuff like that, a Super Taiku and Blanc Payne Asia. That sort of stuff usually finishes about midfield. Uh, he's actually had a third in the 2017 championship for Super Taiku. Okay, and if I'm not mistaken, Super Taiku is definitely a weaker field, so it might not be the best thing to gauge at. But okay. he did win the five hours of Suzuka with Darren Turner uh, this year with with the Super Taiku uh, in the Aston actually with the new brand new Aston. Oh. So he has won. But although that's super taiku, it's not exactly a stout field. Yep. But yeah. Matteo Caroli's pretty damn good as as well. Yeah. Now, I remember him. I do. Wanna... I remember him coming through the ranks of Porsche Carrera Cup Italy, actually. Yeah, and just do- top... almost dominated every race. Yeah. On top of that, he was a silver driver for Proton last season, so he's now been elevated to gold. Which, honestly, it may have been. A bit too much too soon because he's now he's now in the sort of Matt Campbell position of having to be the pro in the team and you know running the show and having the responsibility on his shoulders. Where in the past when he was with a Proton as the silver, he was able to sort of you know parlay a bit mm. of that onto the pro drivers that they had. So it's been a big step up in responsibility for him, and it hasn't quite gone as brilliantly as one would have hoped. But he he's still definitely a quality driver. Giorgio Roder as well has done uh, some pretty awesome things in the ELMS over the past two seasons. So I think a a tail end of the top end uh, top ten like between you know sixth to ninth might be a a good result for them. Um, yeah, agreed. Where's the other Roder? Um, Gianluca Roder. I think yeah. he has taken a bit of a break from racing. I'm not sure uh-huh. if he's even racing in ELMS anymore. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it is a little bit. So those are the two WEC Proton cars. There is also an additional two Proton cars. So these have come from winning the European Le Mans series. Uh, I think they both... They are? Yeah, they're both uh, European Le Mans series cars. Mm -hmm. That can't be right. They are. When one of them is technically 
a purchased entry, but they both did originate from ELMS. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's roll with that. Um. So the number seventy eight car is the APM Proton Competition uh, car. It's a beautifully turned out blue with red and white pinstripes along the side, which looks really nice. This car has uh, Louis Perret, Prete, I think is how you say that, um, uh, Philippe Prete, and Vincent Abril as the gold-rated driver, which is a little bit of a surprise considering he has been traditionally a Bentley and now Mercedes GT3 driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other Proton car, which is a listed as a Dempsey Proton car, is the Crone car, number 99, featuring Patrick Long, Tracy Crone, and Nicholas Johnson. Uh, interesting fact about T- Tracy Crone and Nicholas Johnson, I think I heard that this is their 16th consecutive Le Mans racing together. <laughs> Bloody hell. And, and Tracy Crone's found a way to do something weird and probably 12 of them. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll look at the 78 first. Um, uh, Prete, Prete, and Abril. I have absolutely no idea who the Pretes are. <laughs> so, that's where I am on that one. I'm assuming one of them is the reason AP and Monaco are giving the money, if not both of them. Probably. Must be in there. I mean... I mean, at least in the Wikipedia thing I'm on, they're listed yeah, as being from Monaco. So the Mon- yeah, Louis, Louis Prite is the global head of retail for AP Monaco. There yeah, you there you go. And then Philippe would be his brother or son or uncle or father? Philippe Prite is actually someone who races, is older. Yeah, Okay. Go. Interesting. Um, that, car is, that car is very Prite, though. We'll give it that. Hundred uh, percent, and yeah, Vincent Abril, uh, bit of a you know parachute in from above. That's uh, that's a really cool pickup for that team. It is. I don't know if he's going to be enough to uh, to bring those two up to a winning position or any competitive position, but be a good car to keep an eye on. Anything? Any any extra you want to add, uh, Chris? Anything you know about the Prites? Um, n- no, not exactly. But I'm going back to the Chrome uh, car. Yeah, we'll I believe that that, that duo of uh, Janssen of Crone, that, that I believe they're going back to back twenty four hour races because they're doing the twenty four hours of Le Mans, but they competed in a VLN round earlier this year, so I believe they're have, they're going to race a Porsche GTE at Le Mans, and go to the Nordschleife on Wednesday or Thursday and you know start. You know, have the N24 weekend with their Porsche Cup car. I'll I'll take a deeper look at the entry list and when hopefully if we do the N24 podcast, I'll confirm the details. But if we're doing two 24-hour races in a row, especially he's going to be joining a elite list of guys who are joining that tier because you know a bunch of these you know German factory drivers, especially Porsche factory drivers, they're gonna they're gonna be sleepless for the next few weeks. Oh yeah. It's going to be a, a bit terrifying, honestly, thinking of... At least it's in the same continent. Yeah, that's a good point. Better than flying from America to do a 24-hour race and then backing up at Le Mans the next week. Okay, we'll talk about the Chrome car a bit more. Okay, 100%, we kind of meme about Crone a little bit. He is a fantastic driver. He's very quick as a bronze, mm. but he does have a habit of somehow spinning the car without hitting anything a lot. Yes. 
And I mean, we 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 lovingly hate on him because he's just a good guy and he knows how to he knows how to drive when he is driving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we do we do rag on him a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned, him and Nicholas Johnson have uh, a long history of a partnership together at Le Mans. Uh, and Patrick Long uh, is a very accomplished Porsche factory driver from the States. Uh, I think he's currently with uh, Wright Motorsports in their GTD car and has in the past raced with Dempsey Proton Racing uh, in the WEC uh, and with other Proton uh, competition-based cars around the world. That car, it looks horrific. (laughs) You're not a fan of the green? (laughs) Sorry, but... I mean, bright green is fine on its own, but pair it with blue on a Porsche, it just doesn't look right at all. It is... Loud, we'll put it that way. It is loud. <laughs> you won't you won't miss it at night. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Hopefully you'd miss it. <laughs> Spinning on the race line. I mean you had that Tracy Crone green color on a old gen Daytona prototype before. This is true. So there there is uglier things than that Porsche. Yeah, most of the Daytona prototypes were. This is oh, a good so point. let's do a little throwback here. Can't remember it was a year or two ago. I don't know if it was a podcast or in our traditional Loma pre-race show. Someone compared Tracy Crone to a fidget spinner. Oh yeah, we did. We definitely did that. I think that was me as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> everyone. Yeah, I think I think it was you. Are we expecting? Are we expecting the Crone car to place? Are we expecting either of these? Uh, so yeah, where do we expect the 78 and the 99 to end up at the end of the race? Down the field. Yeah. Okay. I think these are going to be another one. Another ones to track the. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I think if they get a top 10, it'll be a lot. It'll be pretty good for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about Lamar is that you choose, you know, these these teams that, you know, you don't expect to do well. And, you know, cars crash and have problems. And so all of a sudden, you know, they're, in, they're somewhere in the top 10. <laughs> That's a possibility, so. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and that is the beauty of endurance racing. So we'll move on to the number 84 Ferrari. Uh, This is the JMW Motorsport Ferrari. They earned their entry through the European Le Mans series. Uh, This car is a beautifully turned out red. Well, it's it's kind of a yellow base with orange over the top. This is a livery that has been designed by Andy Blackmore. Uh, Has a phenomenal smattering of little references and stuff like that on it. Um, it's got the 24 Hours of Le Mans logo. It's got an Andy Blackmore Spotter's Guide cell that's on the car a few times. Apparently, it's actually got a uh, drawing of a dragon, uh, which Andy Blackmore's daughter has drawn um, uh-huh. on there as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically just full of little references like that. So, uh, it really, also really has a spot on the car where there's actually a Andy Blackmore Spotter Guide depiction of that yeah. car yeah no, maybe not not that car but the car previous of years before oh, yeah so, God, that was so we've got the bmw fast route have we yeah it's a self-reference <laughs> it just and then on that cell is actually uh the the same cell of the car and it just kind of keeps going in it's like a fractal you keep zooming in it keeps building up um it hands. <laughs> So, uh, driving this car is American Jeff Siegel as the gold, and then the bronze driver is uh, Wei Lu, a Canadian driver um, with a decidedly Chinese name, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the third driver is Brazilian Rodrigo Baptista. 
Now, this is a significant change to the driver lineup from last year, which was Liam Griffin and Cooper McNeil, uh, but that did also have Jeff Siegel in that car last year. Yeah, pretty interesting uh, driver lineup for JMW. Is this the driver lineup they're using in the ELMS this year? I really don't think so, because I don't... Rodrigo Baptista races full-time in the Blank Pan GT World Challenge America with um, K-Pax Bentley. So I don't think that's the mm. full-time. Okay. Uh, for, yeah, Wei Lu, Jeff Siegel, share the car with Matteo Crisoni. Oh, okay. And Crisoni is obviously uh, committed to the Clearwater Racing car, so that's why they've been mm. able to pick up Baptista. Yeah. And Wei Lu as well, he's driven uh, in Pirelli World Challenge in America as well. Took some good results. Yeah, and he also does a bit of Ferrari challenge North America on, on the side. Just to, He just races Ferraris in North America, really. He, this is the first thing that popped up on Google search. He the money, he might be like a university professor, even, that oh. does all. I mean, I mean, Wei Lu is a pretty common name, so, you know, yeah. take that with a little bit of salt. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, so, JMW have been strong at Le Mans in the past. Uh, I think in the 2017 season they won at Le Mans. Um, that was, of course, the first win for them in the 4-8-8 after spending many, many years in the 4-5-8. Um, last year, as I mentioned, the JMW car finished in the top five uh, in class, um, but that was at the hands of Cooper McNeil, Liam Griffin, and Jeff Siegel. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, do we, where do we expect them to be? I reckon they could be on the fringe of the top five. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, Jeff Siegel's, I think, is really fast. I mean, he did put the Glickenhaus on pole position in the Interbrick Ring 24 uh, a year or two ago. Wow. So along with him and Rodrigo Baptista, definitely really good drivers because they're proven race winners. Mm-hmm. Waylou, um, I think he's good. He, he's not, if you're looking at the whole perspective, he's not the best racing driver, but for an AM, he'll certainly get the job. And this, don't forget, these guys came second at Monza. In the last ELMS round. Okay, yeah. So that's that's a pretty pretty good achievement, and yeah. So they'll they'll definitely be one to watch. Um, if you're a Ferrari fan, or even if you're not, uh, it is a really cool looking car as well. So I'll definitely be keeping my eyes on that. Just me. Is this the most we've seen art cars in any race? I guess so. Actually, now that I think about it, because you could call the Kessel Racing cars a bit of an art car tribute, or at least. Very, very unique livery. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say the color in this field. Uh, I was talking on the uh, prototype podcast as well. The color in this field across the board from LMP1 all the way through to GTM is phenomenal. And even in the, even in the factory cars in GTE Pro, I have a, a significant splash of color on them this year. So it is going to be a very colorful grid. We'll crack on to the next very colorful car in GTM. This is the debut of the Ford GT in amateur competition in the world. Uh, we have Keating Motorsports running this car with, of course, Ben Keating, the bronze driver, uh, and he's bringing along with him longtime racing partner Jerome Blakemolen. And the third driver in that car is Felipe Fraga. Now, firstly, Keating Motorsports have been the stalwarts of amateur competition in IMSA. Uh, ben Keating is one of the best AM drivers in the world, uh, bronze-rated drivers, that is, in the world. He has come close to winning uh, the IMSA GTD championship on multiple occasions. And having a go at the Ford GT for the first time, that is going to be a very interesting perspective in how that car drives for an amateur. Oh, yeah. 
Maybe they're Ben Keating's almost good enough. He's not an amateur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ben Keating's almost a fake bronze, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is an incredibly strong lineup. I just have a concern about how they're going to cope with the car. Because from what I can tell, it looks like a very awkward car to drive. Yeah. So how's an amateur team going to be able to cope with that? Well, if you're going to have to pick an amateur team to do it, the likes of Ben Keating and Keating Motorsports is probably the best amateur team you could get on board, to be honest. That's true. And they weren't terrible at the test day either. Actually, Jerome Beekermon was a fair way down the timesheets, but I'm sure that'll improve. It will just be one of those things that they improve Mm. the car over time. I wouldn't be surprised if they were quickest in the car come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, during happy hour, I could see Beacon Island going in there. Well, not even during happy hour. I'm just just saying that by the time they get the handle on it, it will be Sunday afternoon, and that will be when they're finally comfortable and finally setting good laps and finally feeling at one with the car. Yeah, that's fair. That's Mm. fair. So I'm pretty familiar with Ben Keating and Jerome Bleekermolen because of their exploits in IMSA, but Felipe Fraga, Chris, where has that car, where has that driver come from? So like I said at the start of the podcast, you see a lot of these, you know, South American teams, you know, mm. or drivers, you know, starting to pick their way up in endurance and sports car racing. I mentioned that with Daniel Serra, and just like Daniel Serra, there's a common thing between Daniel and Felipe Fraga. They're both stock car Brazil drivers. Um, Daniel Seria has won a Stock Car Brazil race this year, I believe. Felipe Fraga has not. I believe Felipe Fraga, he has won races, but he's sort of like a kind of a, I won't say midfielder because I don't know the championship that well, but he, oh. he isn't up there for the wins that he, often. He, he's better than midfield. Okay. He, yeah. he is better than midfield, but Felipe yeah. Fraga, definitely one of those. He's the most recent one I can remember that made the, kind of the jump. From my, from what I remember, he made a start doing Mercedes GT3 racing for the uh, Suzuka 10 Hours. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And it's not, it's also not to forget, he's raced with Riley Motorsports at Daytona and Sebring this year. Yep, and I think he's doing a full uh, NAEC, North American Endurance Cup, with uh, Keating Motorsports in that Riley. I wonder... yeah, It makes sense that he's racing with Keaton then, because he races with Keaton in that Riley Motorsports car. Exactly right. Now, do we expect them to get a handle on the Ford GT quickly enough to be able to contest for a race win? Well, they've got eight hours to sort it out before the race day, or plus plus this shakedown as well. So I'll back them in. You back them in? Yep. So where do you reckon then? Podium win? I reckon a podium would be a good shout for them. Chris? I wouldn't go that liberal. I think a top 10 could be possible because like Kiwi said, there's tons of track time you've got. I don't know how long the practice session is on the uh, Wednesday, but there's like two-hour qualifying. That's four hours. So you get to, yeah, there's eight hours of on-track action for Wednesday and Thursday. Then you have like a 45-minute warm-up the day of the race. So I think they'll get it. I think I think they'll get tuned in time for at least a good top 10 result. Mm. I'm, sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be hoping for a few wins. I get it, because it's a win-sponsored car. You're real <laughs> fine. Moving on. Uh, the- <laughs> The the last three cars that we're going to talk about are all WC full season entries. Um, so we've got a Porsche and two Aston Martins to go. Uh, so the first one we're going to tackle is the Golf Racing number eighty six Porsche RSR. This is of course the Mike Wainwright uh, Ben Barker partnered car. And the third driver in that car is uh, Thomas Pruning, who is an Austrian driver. He also falls into the category like Julian Andlauer of a gold-rated driver who maintains a silver rating from yeah. last year. 
So he has been upgraded to gold, but as he competed in the WEC last year at the Fuji round, uh, he gets to keep his silver rating at least for this race. So golf racing, guys. <laughs> Don't make me say it. I'm not going to make you say it because Wayne Rudd's actually been impressing me this season. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so for those who haven't been long-time listeners, I've had a, I, I've been much maligned towards Mike Wainwright for a variety of reasons, mostly due to the fact that I don't think he is a good lower-class driver. I think he, find, he, he finds himself consistently in positions where he could cause accidents. And of course, the, mo- the most telling of which is the incident with between him and Brendan Hartley mm-hmm. at Silverstone uh, a few years ago. And so I've held a somewhat negative opinion of Mike Wainwright for a long time, but he's actually, fair play to him, has been a lot better in recent years. And I think the RSR Porsche seems to suit his driving style a lot better than the old rear rear engine uh, Porsche back in the day. So as much as it pains me to admit, I am... It hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let you know now. He was, out of all the AMs, the third slowest from test day. He, he was seeing four minute, eight lap time, so like eight seconds off the pace. Mm, wow. He also, but he also did a lot of laps, so I'm not sure whether he was on full race mode. Yeah, and the track was very green at the test day. We mm. haven't really commented on it. Yeah, uh, even the Toyotas were two or three seconds a lap slower than they were last year. So the track was very green, so it would have been very difficult to get a handle on for some yeah. of the amateurs. Absolutely. Um, but having said that, I reckon this car could push for a top five as well. Okay, give us your reasoning. As we've talked about, Wainwright hasn't been terrible this season. The other drivers in that car, Ben Barker, we know, is pretty dang good. Yeah, Thomas Preening is being pretty impressive. He must be if he's now a gold. And the golf racing car just seems to have a habit of popping up as of late. Yeah, they took, um, I think, fourth position at Sebring, which is pretty impressive uh, for them. They also had a fourth at Fuji, uh, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, fifth at Fuji. Last year at Le Mans, they were actually fifth in class, um, but they were the second-to-last classified finisher literally only ahead of the Janetta that just scraped in. I don't that I think that car is much more suited to ELMS competition. So when Wainwright has taken that car out to ELMS, they seem to do a lot better. I don't think I could see them cracking too far above the low top 10 to be honest. I I feel the same sentiment. I mean, Thomas Prining is a good pickup winning races in Porsche Super Cup and Porsche Crack Up Deutschland, but I don't think I don't think he can carry that amount of weight on his shoulders to carry them to a high you know, high position in the top five, top ten. Yeah. I would tend to Oh yeah, a little faith. We'll see how they go. A little bit of faith. Okay, we'll do the last two cars together. They are the old Aston Martins the older spec Aston Martin Vantages, that is. Um so we have two examples, the number ninety TF Sport Aston Martin Vantage. Pardon me, featuring uh, Sally Yollock, who is the bronze rated driver, Charlie Eastwood as the silver, and Ewan Hankey as the gold. And then the number 98 Aston Martin Racing Vantage is the Paul Dallalana, Pedro Lamy, Matthias Lauda car. Both of these have been pretty competitive in WC competition. However, their championship positions might not reflect that adequately. Remember, this car is now very, very old uh, in terms of its its pedigree. I think, in fact, the 98 car is 
literally the second chassis that Aston Martin ever built of that Vantage, which makes it literally now a 10-year-old car. And another note to add to this, it's probably be the last race for this Aston. Yes, almost definitely, considering that next year, both of these teams will be upgrading to the mm-hmm. brand new Aston Martin Vantage AMR example that the pro cars have. The 98 car is actually taking a win this season uh, with the first race of the year. However, neither of these cars finished Le Mans last year. Okay, let's go. These these cars, they're solid lineups. We talk about the Alana's team all the time. Yep. So I feel like, what else can we say about them now? <laughs> yeah, they've they've literally been racing in this category as long as I can remember with that same driver lineup. So that would be four seasons yep. in a row. Yeah, and, it's not, and, not, and not just this category, pretty much every time we mention them in a podcast. Yeah, so, you know, Daytona, they did at the seat of a Ferrari, I think, this year. Spirit of Race, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, so number 51 this year. They've also done Bathurst at the seat of a Mercedes together. They've done, and a Ferrari. Uh, and a Ferrari. They've done uh, races together in an Audi. The the Yeah, it was amazing. I think it was two years ago, uh, catching up with Paul Dallana at Bathurst uh, while he was in the Audi hospitality area and his car was covered in the Audi Sport Canada branding and he was just like just a massive maple leaf yeah and it was and it was like hey that wasn't even my idea <laughs> like that was Audi Sport Canada they came to me with that offer so that was really really funny um, please tell me you were the Canadian accent I was doing a very bad job of it <laughs> you were but, but even 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 the 90 that's a lineup that's been together for a good three years now. Yeah, uh, they race together in British D- GT as well, don't they, Chris? They they might do British GT. I'm not. Uh, can't remember that top of my head. But this, at least uh, you and Hanky and Sally Yulik, they've been racing together ever like Michelin Le Mans Cup. They won that championship, European Le Mans series. I'm pretty sure they they at least won a few races, if not won that championship as well. So they, they win championships and win races. That's kind of all they're known to doing. Charlie Eastwood's a good pickup. He's been pretty good in Port, or he's been racing these guys for a while. Uh, did really good in Porsche Carrera Cup Great Britain when he was there as a young up and comer. So uh, all of these guys are race winning calibers mm. of drivers. Yeah. And I'm going to note here doesn't the Paul Delalana car have like a curse at Le Mans or something? It seems like in the closing hours of every oh, single year, no. they always have some no, form shush, of issue. Shush, shush, shush. Uh, okay, <laughs> we should probably explain that. So the the classic example is in 2015 when Paul Delalana had a good three quarters to a lap advantage in the last hour of the race and made a driving mistake. It was a, a fatigue-based mistake. He basically missed the pedal heading into the Ford chicanes and totaled the car within the last hour of the race from the lead. That was absolutely distressing. And since then, they haven't been able to consolidate and get a good result at Le Mans. I think they've, they didn't finish last year. I think they struggled in 2017 as well. And it is just... I want to see. I want to see them. I want to see them win because they are the. When you think of amateur driving and when you think of amateur sports car racing, Paul Dallalana and that group of drivers, uh, that team, typifies the absolute best of it. That, that's mm. it, it, they. They are the consummate amateurs. If isn't, that makes sense. <laughs> isn't 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 Le Mans like the last box of Dallalana to tick? I think so. Uh, I'm. He he has a GTM championship. Um, he mm-hmm. has taken race victories in this class around the world. I, he hasn't 
you know, he hasn't won all the other events. He like he hasn't won Daytona and GTD and whatever. But in terms of WEC competition, yeah, the win at Le Mans would be the 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 last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, this is and this is their fifth Le Mans together. This is actually Dunlana's seventh. I just want to see him win, man. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, I, I didn't know this. He actually raced GTE Pro his first time as at um at Le Mans. Oh wow, really? Bill Orbit, Bill Orbelin and Pedro Lamy. Wow, that is <laughs> that is something else. Um, okay, so we we know we know these guys have pedigree. Uh, we've talked about where they get the results from and how good they are. Where do we see them at the end of the race? Uh, hopefully on track. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an improvement uh, from last year. Honestly, if they keep it together, this the ninety nine to the ninety eight sorry ninety eight Delano machines top five caliber, and the TF Sport one is definitely top top ten caliber in my mind. I I think both of them are top five caliber because the number ninety before it had its incident last year was in the mix definitely. Um, unfortunately, they just had a string of bad luck in the later part of the race. So I think both of them are top five caliber. Remember, they we had a massive fight between the two of them at Spa Francorchamps for the win. Oh, this so, is true. This is very true. Yeah, and and the uh, number ninety has taken four second places in WC competition this year. So forever the bridesmaid, it would be a good time to be the bride. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What about you, Chris? What do you think? Ooh, I think I think the young guy uh, trio is going to do better than uh, Lana. I think, and Lana. Interesting fact: He did win the Bathurst Twelve Hour this year in the Pro Am class, so there's yeah, another ticket. Right. Well. Cor- correct. I think I think I got a bit lost in the the hubbub of the the final uh, <laughs> dash of the line. So forgive me for that. Yeah. So he has won. Yeah, he has won the Pro Am lineup at uh, the Bathurst Twelve Hour, which is awesome. Okay, so that brings us to the end of GTEM. Now, seventeen cars, four different manufacturers. Uh, fire up the random number generators, guys. Who give us your top five? Chris, you go first. <laughs> Classic handball hmm. that one off. So, what you asking for a top five? Yeah, give us give us five in any order that are going to be the top five at the end of the race. Okay, so seventy seven, ninety, eighty four. So that's the JMW Motorsport car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go fifty six and fifty seven. So you've gone Team Project One, Car Guy Racing, Dempsey Proton, uh, TF Sport, and JMW. You do you really have that much faith in Car Guy Racing? I mean, I, I was I, I I'm the obscure racing man. I've been watching Super Them Racing and Super Taigu when there's only like 25 minute highlight shows all in Japanese. I'm gonna go for it. Okay, yeah, that's a fair call. I think out of everyone here. And probably almost everyone listening, you'd probably be the the authority on the obscure motor racing that Car Guy would be involved in. So I guess I can pay that one. Interesting. Okay, I might have to pay a bit more attention to them. Chris, uh, Kiwi Chris, you're up. Yeah. Okay. My my random number generator has given me the 61, the 99, and the 62. So I'm ignoring that entirely. Um, honestly, the 77, I think, is a sure, is, oh, is, is close to a sure thing as you get at Le Mans. Yep. The 98 will be up there, the 85 as well. Yep, so that's uh, Aston Martin, uh, Paul Dallalana, mm-hmm. Pedro Lamy, Matthias Lauder, and the Keating Motorsports Ford GT. Yep, and I think just outside them will be the Spirit of Race, the 54, with Flora Castellacci and Fisher Keller. Yep. And a little bit of smoke, I'm going to actually go the the girl car. 
the Kessel Racing, the Kessel Racing Kessel 83. 83. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. That would be definitely a story, a story within a story uh, mm-hmm. on that one. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. I am going to go in no particular order. Um, the 56 Team Project 1 car, the 62 WeatherTech Racing Ferrari, the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche, the 84... Uh, no, I'm not going to go to the 84. I'm going to go to the number 90 TF Sport Aston Martin and the number 98 TF uh, Aston Martin Racing Aston Martin. So there you go, everyone. Just think, roll out all those cars and pick a car we haven't picked, and there's your winner. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we, we have a history of fantastically poor predictions here in our Le Mans previews. Funnily enough, our Bathurst previews are generally pretty good, but oh, at Le Mans... because it's a race we know what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly right. But at Le Mans, we're pretty terrible. So... We, we tend to have all converged on the number 77 and the pair of Aston Martins. So the, the, the other two cars that we've been talking about, uh, you know, Chris mentioned JMW. I mentioned WeatherTech Racing. A few of us mentioned Team Project One. You, Kiwi, mentioned the Kessel Racing 83 and the Keating Motorsports 4GT. And, you know, we're torn between car guy. So that kind of shows that... There is a lot of quality in this class, and the fact that we've chosen six different cars for the last two positions in that top five shows that there could be almost, well, half the field could finish in that top five. Mm. And that's what we love about Le Mans. It's just a bit more unpredictable than everything else. Exactly right. Uh, Any final comments from you guys before we wrap it all up? Not from me. Uh, Well, I mean, uh, so the scratch pad, We'll be making an appearance back. Um, it's been very successful the last time we used it for Le Mans, as well as, as for um, uh, the other events we do here around the WC subreddit. So they'll be making an appearance. I guess I'll be in charge of running that one because people already are sending me stuff. For, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm fine with. Uh, there's actually some pretty cool stuff. I, ble- I believe there's going to be a live points tracker. Every few or so hours, there's going to be an update on the uh, championship point standings. It's going to be the scratch pad. <laughs> we'll try not to. I believe, I believe, yeah, I believe someone, I believe someone's going to take charge of that. I'll get more info later, but that's going to be a very cool, a uh, little addition to the scratch pad. So be able to keep track of the championship points while you're keeping track of the race. Another added variable in enjoying this prestigious Le Mans 24, and that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so here at Endurance Chat, if you haven't already checked it out, we have a podcast uh, previewing the Le Mans event, offering some information, some insight just generally about Le Mans. Um, we've also got the prototype class guide, which uh, should have come out before this one. So have a look for that if you want to check out our thoughts on the prototype battling at Le Mans. Um, on top of that, we will again have our traditional pre-pre-race show, which will be streamed live on YouTube, uh, and we'll be taking discussion points and questions and comments from everyone in the RSHWC Discord. So if you want to be involved in that, make sure you jump into the Discord or in the... Um, we'll try and have the Reddit thread open as well, so you can drop us a comment in there if you can't get into the Discord. And if you thought the podcast was loose, why do you hear us live? Oh, man. Uncensored, (laughs) uncut. It normally starts about an hour, hour and a half before the stream starts. Yeah, so it'll be 90 minutes before the race start. So at uh, 1.30pm Le Mans local time, um, which I think works out to be... Oh, let me get this right. It is 11.30am UTC. 
and then convert that around the world to wherever you feel uh, most fit. Um, of course, uh, if you haven't been following along with the Andy Blackmore spotter guide uh, along with this, make sure you check that out and print that out. Uh, big ups to Andy Blackmore for being such a friend of the subreddit community, allowing us to use his car sprites and his illustrations as community flair. Uh, and uh, we'll always support his work uh, because he does a great amount of work to support the motor racing community and the sports car community. So big ups to Andy Blackmore. Check that out. Uh, on top of that, um, we also have involved in the subreddit uh fantasy wec competition so if you are wanting to get involved a little deeper and have a little bit more investment in each of the classes uh you'll win a prize as well which will be just the satisfaction of doing better than everyone else um unless you're me uh so check that out get involved that's a great way to follow some of the more obscure classes so a great way to follow gtm and lmp2 because it gives you something to sort of anchor your interest against which is always uh helpful i think um and finally thank you to everyone who's listened in uh because as i mentioned in the prototype podcast we've actually hit 10,000 cumulative downloads on endurance chat uh in the last or 14 months since we swapped over to Podbean. So that's a really big achievement uh, for us. And I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who's listened and been involved and been supportive of this journey in what is now its fourth year. Can you believe that, guys? That's crazy. To think it all started with you with me telling you yeah, we're going to birthdays one day you saying i get on this podcast would you yeah exactly it's it's crazy to see not not just how far this podcast has come but how far the reddit community has come in mm. around wec and how much we're recognized in motorsport now which is kind of cool on that note thank you very much kiwi chris 1709 and chris washer 97 thank you mr fucking man sir all oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to out something non-cheesy <laughs> just be cheese, we, man. Uh, Wait, this podcast uh, is all the cheese. pleasure. All, all, all the pleasure, Flood. Yeah, thank you very much for putting up with my awful computer troubles. We've actually recorded this in seven parts because of how <laughs> how terrible my computer has been at coping with existing. Um, thank you very much for listening. We will see you 90 minutes before the start of Le Mans 24 Hours for our live show. Thank you very much. This has been Flood Man 11. Peace out. <laughs> I don't know what to drink. That much is obvious. So yeah, next we'll do Corvettes, then the Fords, then the Porsches, mm-hmm. then the Astons, and then we'll talk about... GTEM. No, then we'll oh, talk about right. BOP and what that means and how Buy it's it. going. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about GTEM. BOP, what is it good for? Better. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> awful. Oh, God. Awful. Awful. You should feel ashamed. I do. Good. Let me grab my spotter's guide from last year and I'll be right back. I should have done this at the beginning. Please hold. Your podcast information is important to someone, apparently.